So it's, it's not a different faith, it's the same faith. The dictionary defines contend to mean to strive for or strive against, to use earnestly efforts to obtain, to defend, to reprove sharply, to strive to convince. I took this verse and I looked at it and God said, exhort you, you, Steve, you, Linda, you, whoever is saved, God has said that that you, that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I may have more faith in you or I may have less faith in you, but if I've got the faith that God gives, it's the same type of faith. We want to look at that tonight. Uh, you know, as we said, the dictionary defines contend to mean to strive for or strive against. And there are some things we need to be against and there are some things we need to be for. Therefore, they are worthy, worthy striving against or for whichever the case may be, if for or against. Our first point is that some things to strive against. Contend in our text comes from the fierce competition of athletes contending in a contest striving to win. It happens every time Kentucky plays somebody or somebody else plays somebody. We play golf or One of my favorite games is Rook, and if I'm playing Rook, I contend, I strive to beat whoever I'm playing against. It's just an effort. It's an effort. And that's what Jude is saying, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Everybody is saved, was saved the same way. It may approach you different, but you were saved when you heard the gospel and the Spirit of God bared witness with your spirit and made you alive. You weren't saved because you was in church. You don't have to be in church when God saved you. I wasn't. But, whether I'm in my car driving, you at the front of the church, kneeling at the what people call the altar, that salvation, that faith came through the Holy Spirit. Earnestly contend means to fight strenuously, to put forth an effort. Now, as you get older, as uh, you know, it's more of an effort to do things you did a few years ago. You know, uh, I don't have any trouble walking. I didn't walk, I don't know how many miles I could walk. 
But I can't walk up a hill if it's very big of a hill. I got to have brakes. Got to stop and get my breath. My heart is painting. So, because of situations and the age, and see, there's certain things you can't do. So, just to walk up a hill, I got to contend. I try to put forth an effort to do that. Well, earnestly contend means to fight. So, when we strive against, what are we striving against when it comes to salvation? We strive against temptation. We strive against temptation. Notice James chapter 1. James chapter 1. God tells us here in verse, uh, beginning with verse 13. James 1 verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lusts have conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Now, when we are trying to contend, when we're learning to contend with our faith, to live in our faith, to let our faith direct our life, Satan will put temptation. I mean, I still pray every morning, I still read every morning, and there's all kind of stuff that takes place. You know, furnace will come on, the dog barks. Telephone rings. I mean, it's just common things. But when we're contending, you know, we're striving against temptation, you had better strive against temptation or you will be overcome. So, in my case, now that I turn my phone off, I go upstairs where there's nobody up there. I mean, I've made those provisions so that I can do what is important for me to do every morning. The only one thing that I do before I pray and study my Bible, I try to have a cup of coffee. Sometimes I try to have two cups of coffee. <laughs> but once I get my coffee, then I begin to meditate, read, pray, and meditate again. That helps me because I know that the devil is going to put something in front of me if it's not real, it's in my mind. Thoughts that you hadn't thought about. I mean, where do they come from? Try to meditate, try to study the Word of God, try to read the Word of God and see 
Where does all of this stuff come from? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 that there's a time to stand. There's a time to stand. What is talking about standing? It's the time to get on God's side and say, Devil, I don't care what you throw at me today, I'm going to stand for the Lord. Now he says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Notice with me. 6.13 he said, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that he may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now what is Paul saying here? Just to be able to start your day with some meditation, start your day off with some prayer, start your day off with some Bible reading. The devil doesn't want you to do that. That's why there's very few people that do it because they tried and and their minds just everything that happens. But God said here, and you know, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And we do go and write down the whole armor of God. But whatever piece of armor you don't put on, that's where Satan attacks you. We've got to put forth an effort. In other words, I've got to learn to contend. Now, I mean, I didn't use my, I've used, Sister Linda, I'd use anybody that's had surgery, anybody that has something. You've got to contend because when the pain is there, it's easy to not to do what you know you should do and want to do. It's no difference spiritually. You know, we don't want, she don't want to be on those Crusters from now on. You don't want to be in that wheelchair from now on. If it's possible, you're going to do what is necessary. So you ask yourself, learn to contend. Are you, am I, where I want to be spiritually? Then we got to learn to contend. And who are we contending? Sometimes we're contending against those that really love us and have no idea that they're affecting us. There is a time to stand. There's a time to speak up. Notice what God tells us. When we look at the Word of God, and we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. God says here in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee fornication, every sin that a man does without the body, but he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. He said, why would he use that one? Because This generation is sex crazy. 
from 10, 11, 12 years old all the way to 75 and 80 and 85 years old. We got to flee those normal desires. God said, same book, chapter 10. 10, 14. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. You know what idolatry is? No, we got to flee from that because Satan will put everything in front of us, cause us to think, I need this, I can't live without this, But if that's taking you away from your Lord and Savior, let me tell you, friend, it's better without it. It's better without it. I mean, I don't have the problem. I wish I did. I wish I, I, wish I had some of your, your uh, internet speed and your TV speed, you know, uh, what I get on those three or four channels is garbage. This is me personally. I'm going out on the radio. I believe white ought to marry white. I believe black ought to marry black. I believe yellow ought to marry yellow. I believe red ought to marry red. And I'll go to heaven believing that. But Look at almost every show on those four or five channels I can get. It's all you see. And those little kids see it and they say, well, it got to be all right. It wouldn't be on TV. Instead of saying, if it's on TV, it's 90% chance it's not all right. There are some things to flee from. He's also said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27 that he had to contend or buffet his body to keep from being overcome. And for somebody that may be listening later with the Turn me off. This problem we have in our country with race can be solved with the gospel. Because when God saves you, there's no hate. When we make a stand, it don't mean that we hate that person or we hate that situation. We're making a stand on the word of God. Temptation leads you to the world and away from God. Thus, we are to command it 
in 1 John 2.15 that all of us, I'm sure, know, love not the world and the things that are in the world. Isn't that what that verse says? What do we do with those things that we love? We, we want them and we do it. That's how we function. But God tells us that we are not to do that. In other words, according to Romans 12, 2, we are not to be conformed to this world. Not to be conformed. Be not conformed to the world. To obey, we must strive or contend against temptation or we too will be overcome. I mean, just ask yourself. I don't want you to answer me. I don't want you to call it out, but ask myself. How many things are I doing now that I said 10 years ago I wouldn't do? Music that I said I wouldn't listen to? Movies I said I wouldn't watch? Because we stop striving get hard to push against. We all, as Christians, if we're going to be faithful to God, we've got to strive against error. Strive against error involves striving against the people who promote error. What did God say? What did God say about it? I believe if we look at the Word of God and we see what the Lord says about it, we will see, according to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. It would be good if we didn't agree with that statement to look at what the word reprove means. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of of darkness. Reprove implies to contend. You know, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob their sins. That's exactly what Isaiah 58 verse 1 tells us. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Paul told here in Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it talks about to reprove Reprove in his preaching means to contend against error and those who promote it. In other words, I ought to preach against things that the world is doing that God's word is against. And that's exactly what Paul told young Timothy here in 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2. To reprove in his preaching. 
The reason that a lot of things that I preach that people, even with our broadcast, will text me or call me. Some even call me and say, I've been saved 30 years. I've never heard that. Simple. I mean, you know, it's just simple things. That if it's in the Bible, how do we expect people to believe it if we don't preach against it? You know. And you can preach against it and uh, little simple things, you know. I don't make no big deal over a lot of things that I preach, have preached for 50-some years. And I've had people, I've had a member come up and tell me on the head covering. I mean, you know, the head covering is so simple. I mean, all you got to do is get you a dictionary and look up, and there's two words for covering, you know. There's two words. But that member looked me straight in the eye and said, you can preach it till you fall off the pulpit. I'll never put a head covering on. And I said, ma'am, that's not my business whether you wear a head covering or not. That's not my business. My business is to preach it. You know, and that's a, I don't, you know. It's, it's left up. Because there's some people, it's just they're good people, good Christians, but they they're not going to contend with that because they don't want to explain to somebody why I do this. It's simple. I do it because God's word says to do it. We need to strive against our real enemy. Our our real enemy, as well as the Lord's, is the devil. Therefore, we need to strive against some things. Notice Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Paul said here to the church of Ephesus, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual weakness in high places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. So, that's just a few things that we need to strive against. But there are some things we need to strive for. We need to strive for faith. Our text says the faith is the whole body of revealed true deliverance once to the saints. When we say, I believe the Bible, you're saying, I believe from Genesis 1 to the last verse in Revelation. Now, the reason I say that, because when the Bible was first written, it didn't have chapters and verses. 
if it's just God's holy word. And I'm thankful that God led some men much intelligent than I to divide the chapters and the books. But some things to scribe for, we need to scribe for our faith. We need to scribe for our faith. If I ask you, or if somebody else asks you, they move to town, they bought the house next to you, and they ask you, what is your faith? Could you tell them what your faith is without saying, oh, I'm Baptist? Well, I don't want to be associated with some Baptist. So my faith is not necessarily the Baptist faith. Should be. But I don't believe in open communion. Do you? I don't believe in alien immersion. I don't believe that women can be pastors. So we need to strive for the truth. And one must encounter truth to be saved. You can't be saved unless you hear the truth. I believe God tells us, you know, uh, in uh, Psalms and Isaiah, and he, but, you know, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in what? In truth. Uh, you know, you can't just approach God and say, God, I believe this. You know, I don't want to get involved in all this other stuff. You wouldn't tell him that, would you? But we do. Because we got our favorite verses, we got our favorite beliefs, and if it's not what there, we don't want to hear about it. We don't want to talk about it, you know. But here in Psalms 145, Psalms 145, God says here in verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. I mean, what about those people that that believe that God saves them, but God can't keep them saved? And that's exactly what they're doing when you say, I don't believe in eternal security of the blood-bought believer. I believe you can lose your salvation. What you're doing, you're believing something that can't be proven in the Bible. We need to contend. We are not be ashamed. I believe that when God saves somebody, he saves them forever. And to make sure that happens, when I get out of line, God chastens me. He disciplines me. Truth. Isaiah said in Isaiah 59, 14, truth is fallen in the street. Therefore, we must contend for truth. on the local channels that some of the 
organizations that offer Sunday morning service. It's like going to a Saturday night concert. Ain't no preaching. But where we are, church, is that people don't want it no more. They do not want it. So we need to strive for the gospel. Why? Well, according to Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. In other words, nobody can be saved apart from the gospel. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection. Now, listen to me carefully. If you change anything at all, if you change anything at all, it's not the gospel. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. If you believe that Christ died on Friday and arose on Sunday, the Bible knows nothing about that gospel. It's not there. As Jonah was in the heart of the well three days and three nights, so was Jesus Christ in the heart of this earth three days and three nights. We've got to contend for that. But we're, we're satisfied with just preaching the gospel, somebody walking down the aisle, and, but for them to grow, they've got to be there, and when they are there, you've got to have someone who will preach the gospel who will preach the word. No. But Isaiah knew what he was doing under the inspiration of God there in 59, 14 when it says truth is falling in the streets. But the second thing we need to strive for, we need to strive for the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16. It is the power of God unto salvation. What does that mean? What does Romans 1.16 mean? Does it mean exactly what it says? It is the power of God unto salvation. When we preach the gospel, when we preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the only way a person can be saved, the Spirit of God got to bear witness with that dead man's spirit and makes him alive. I believe in the doctrines of grace. I believe in predestination. I believe in just, I believe in all of those things. But you got to get the new birth first. You don't worry about whether you're little baby is going to dress like whoever, you've got to make sure that the baby is fed right. If it's sick, it's taken care of. And like that child is looking at other children, young Christians are looking at us older Christians. Gospel includes a virgin birth, his sinless life, his vicarious death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his ministry of intercession. His boldly coming back in the rapture of the saints, 
sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit in one being saved. All of these doctrines of grace is right in the gospel. But it starts out, do you believe that Christ died for you? Do you believe that he was crucified, buried, stay in that earth three days and three nights and arose? But if that's all you get, sin will gradually dominate you. You've got to know what justification is. You've got to know what sanctification is. You've got to know there is a two-forward sanctification. That Tuesday morning on the way to work when God saved me, my spirit, my inward man was sanctified and I hadn't even made a profession of faith yet. That's not tough. No need of making a profession of faith. No need to walk in the aisle saying, I want to join the church, I want to be this, until God makes you alive. So, you know, I hammer this point because foolishness, you, you know, preachers get up and want to, you know, make a fool of themselves, which is, which is first, you know, repentance of faith. Neither one of them is first. The new birth is first. You've got to be made alive before you can understand repentance. You've got to be made alive before you can understand any of the doctrines. You know, every new parent, if there are any kind of parent at all, they're waiting for that baby to say the first word, waiting for that baby to take the first step. But what's got to take place before either one of them can take place? They've got to be born. That sinner's got to be born. We must contend for the gospel so it will come to a person, not in word only, but as 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5 says, you know, not in word only, but in power, in the Holy Ghost, and as much assurance. You know, like I said, uh, what I knew that morning, God saved me. What I knew when I went down the aisle of Grace Baptist, what I knew when they baptized me, you know, I didn't know much. Now, 55 years, 54, 55 years later, I still believe what I believe then, but I've got a foundation to be built on. And what the churches are not doing and Baptists don't want it, they don't want to hear that we must contend for the faith. Because if you don't contend for it, you know what will happen, you'll lose it. Marriage, same way, you know. You gotta contend day by day. In a marriage, it takes two. In the church, it takes a preacher that loves you, 
and a congregation that loves each other but love God more. It's only one person that I love more than I do my wife, and that's my Savior. The sad thing today is that many have removed from the truth the gospel to a false one, you know. It's just they don't want. And, and the reason they don't want it is because there is so many other people that don't believe the things that Baptists teach, and they seem so happy. Go into your bar. You don't have to. You watch about any television show and they're in that bar just as happy life is going on but the true gospel like Paul told the saints in Galatians it's just not there We'll pick this up next Wednesday night.